Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, let's jump into the word. Our theme for this year is uh, breakthrough. And uh, I'm not going to do an extensive review this morning. I hope that you've been finding this content encouraging, that your faith is beginning to rise, that there's an expectation that God is about to do something on your behalf. And uh, today I want to continue the topic from last week. So this will be the pursuit of breakthrough uh, part two. And I want to look at some very familiar passages of Scripture. I've spoken from these passages many times in the past. Um, Where we're going to land ultimately is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapter 8. Pastor Johnny, our youth pastor, will be proud since last week we were in Luke chapter 7. It's almost like expository preaching like he likes to do. Um, I've mentioned that a few times, but they're away at a youth conference, youth leaders conference this weekend and just getting some rest and poured into. So we're thankful for what they do for us. Um, I'm going to begin with what's been called the parable of the sower. It's kind of an odd passage in regards to the topic of pursuit. But I found something in this as I was kind of studying that I've never seen before and I wanted to share it with us. And so we're going to start in this unlikely place and then circle back around to it later. So in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 5, and if you've been around church at all, you've heard this probably many times. uh, It says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path that was trampled on and the birds ate it up. And some of the seed fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Another seed fell on th- among thorns, which grew, up, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And then drop down to verse 11 of Luke 8. It says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear it. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Now, we're going to circle back to that in just a little while, just briefly. Let's fast forward a few verses and likely a few days in the timeline of what's happening. And Jesus tells his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. And this is the story where Jesus falls asleep in the boat, a storm blows up, the disciples are losing their mind, The waves are crashing in. They feel like they're about to sink. They wake Jesus up. He stands up, calms the storm, and they get to the other side. And as soon as they reach the other side, they meet a demon-possessed man. And Luke tells us that there were multiple demons possessing this man. And ultimately, Jesus casts out those demons, and the man is returned to his right mind. And so when the people saw all that had happened, they were afraid, and they asked Jesus to leave. Luke 8, 37 says, so he got into the boat and left. And that's where I want to pick up the story. 
So Jesus leaves, and beginning in verse 40, it says this, Now when Jesus returned, so he's back on the other side of the lake, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Notice the difference in the posture of the people. One group sent Jesus away, and one group was expectantly waiting. And I think there's something to be said about the way that we host the presence of the Lord. When we encounter the presence of the living God, are we eager to send him away or are we expectantly waiting? And before we answer that question, we should probably give some thought to what it looks like when we're expecting guests. Most of us here today prepare our homes to receive company. We make room as a song that we've been singing so much says. But when we're expecting company, we get things ready. But many of us approach the presence of the Lord without any expectation or preparation at all. And referencing last week's message, we become spectators and not worshipers. We expect nothing more than a mediocre show. And sadly, what we expect is what we get. We leave our prayer times and our devotional times and our times at church with little to no life change because we've made no preparation. We make no preparation because we're not expecting God to actually show up. All right, that was a lot for a sidebar in verse 40. Let's keep moving. 41. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how that she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, Matthew, Mark and Luke all recount this story in their writings. In Mark's account, we learn that she had spent all the money that she had on doctors trying to get well. But instead of getting better, she grew worse. Can anybody relate to that? Right. You've been seeking God for a breakthrough. Right. You've spent money. You've been to the doctor. You've been to counselors, all of which is a good idea, by the way. Right. There's wisdom in seeking professional help through medicine, counseling, etc. But when you've done all that you can do, instead of getting better, things have gotten worse. That's a frustrating and discouraging place to live our lives. And now this is the state that this woman is in. She spent all she had. She's not gotten better. And she's been bleeding for 12 years. Now, because of her bleeding issue, Jewish law declared her to be ceremonially unclean. This meant that she would not have been permitted to enter the temple for Jewish religious ceremonies. And according to the law, anything or anyone that she touched became unclean as well. The fact that she was in the crowd pressing around Jesus meant that each person who bumped into her would have become unclean too, including Jesus. And this explains why she was so afraid when Jesus confronted her. She was breaking the law. But after 12 years of suffering, she obviously was desperate for a miracle. For 12 long years, she had likely lived in isolation. 
No kisses from loved ones. No hugs, handshakes, or high fives. A life destined for separation, segregation, and seclusion. Now having spent all that she had on doctors, but only growing worse, she finds herself in desperate need of a miracle. Her only answer was Jesus. And I want to remind you today that no matter what you may be facing, your answer is the same as this woman to pursue Jesus. The pursuit of Jesus is the pursuit of breakthrough. There's a lot going on in this passage of Scripture. Uh, We haven't even addressed the fact that Jesus was originally on the way to the home of Jairus to heal his daughter. We probably won't have time. Well, we won't. We're not going to unpack all of that here today. I want to go back to verse 42, the second part of the verse. And it says this, As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Other translations use the word press. The New American Standard says, But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. And I want you to think of a time that you've either been a part or seen a large crowd trying to get somewhere or trying to get to a person. Maybe people are crowding to meet a celebrity, to get an autograph. The security team is having to back people up to make room for people to walk. That happens to me a lot. People are just like, obviously that was a joke. This is the scene as Jesus makes his way through the city to the house of Jairus. People are crowding, pressing against him. I imagine the disciples are pushing people aside. They come on, let us through. We got there's a girl that's sick and Jesus needs to meet her. Now, if you've been around a little while, you know that I like to look up words in the original language, which in this case would be Greek. Seven times in this short passage that we just read, words are used to indicate touch. Touching, pressing, crowding, crushing, etc. And when we read this in our culture, the imagery is often what I just described, right? A celebrity in the public square that everyone's trying to get to, right? We understand that context. There would be pushing and shoving and pressing and crowding. And you're just, you know, you're having to just kind of limp through. That's what's happening here. But have you ever wondered why this woman received her miracle and no one else in the crowd did? There are four different words used in this passage which are translated as press, touch, crowd, etc. And we won't unpack all of them, but I want to highlight two. I encourage you to do your own word study. Like if you don't have an old Strong's Concordance, one of those big, thick, fat books, you have Google and you can look things up. And I encourage you to do a word study on this. It's really, really pretty amazing. But in Luke 8.42, the New American Standard said that as he went, the crowds were pressing Against him. This word pressing means to choke, to choke the seed, or to press around so as to almost suffocate. Now, going back to the odd place that we began the message, the parable of the sower in Luke 8, 14, it said the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. And I wonder how many of us are missing our miracle because we're literally choking Jesus out of our lives. Sure, we're in the crowd. We come to church. We lift our hands. We sing the songs. We bring our tithes and our offerings. We can see Jesus. He's so close that we can reach out and touch him. But something is different. 
Our worries and riches and pleasures are keeping us from receiving the breakthrough that we so much desire. We're worried about the future, worried he won't answer my prayer, worried and destined, worried that I'm destined for failure and, and, and destined that I'm never going to make it and that I'm always going to be sick, worried that if I'm obedient to what he's asking me to do, I'll be inconvenienced. Worried that if I come to the altar again for the hundredth time that he won't come through. I've already prayed that he heal, would heal me and he didn't. So now what? Worry consumes us and we choke. We choke Jesus out of our lives. Or I'm distracted by pleasures and riches. I have no time to pursue Jesus beyond the crowd because I have other things to do. Things that I enjoy. Things that may not even be bad things. Things that numb my pain. Not only are we missing our miracle as the crowd did, but we're also not maturing in our faith as described in verse 14. Listen, it's time for us to grow, grow up in our faith. It's time to grow up in our emotions. It's time to stop thinking and acting like little children as Paul describes. When I was a kid, I acted like a kid. Now I'm a grown up. Some of us have been following the Lord for 20, 30 years. We shouldn't be acting like toddlers in our faith. Okay, let's keep moving. Verse 43. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. And she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. Of course, everybody's touching you, right? I know that power has gone out from me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Everyone in the crowd was pressing against Jesus, but only one touched him. The word touch here in the Greek is the word hapto. Everybody say hapto. hapto. That clears it up, right? The word hapto means to fasten or to adhere to. So you have a crowd in the beginning of the verse that's pressing against in such a way that it's choking, almost suffocating. And then you have this woman who hapto fastens herself, adheres herself to Jesus. See, while those in the crowd could see Jesus, they could hear Jesus. They were pressing up against him. There was one who was so determined, so desperate in her pursuit of him that she literally reached out to touch the hem of his garment. She fastened her faith to Jesus. She said, I'm not letting go until I receive my miracle. I'm not letting go until my breakthrough comes. Again, we're not going to get to the daughter of Jairus today, but spoiler alert, she dies and Jesus raises her to life. Does anybody remember how old she was? Twelve. Does anybody know how long this lady has been bleeding? Twelve years. The entire time that this little girl has been alive, this lady has been bleeding with her disease. This is not a coincidence. Now, look, I'm no biblical numerologist. I don't understand everything there is to know about numbers in the Bible and all of the secrets and all of the things and every 14th word says this and you're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't understand all that. But there are significant numbers in the Bible. 3, 7, 10, and 12 are numbers that are repeated often in Scripture. 
12 especially. Jacob had 12 sons, which represent the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 baskets of leftovers after Jesus fed the 5,000, 12 disciples. The number of 12 is referenced more than 185 times in all of Scripture. But beyond all of that, I want you to think about time, 12 months in the year, just barely over 12 lunar cycles every year, 24 hours in a day divided into two groups of 12 a.m. and p.m. And I think that this is what the Lord wants to say to us today. The battle that you're facing is a seasonal battle. It's going to come to an end. I don't know where you are in the journey. It might feel like midnight right now, but morning is on the way. You might be in the darkest time of your life, but the sun will rise again. You might be drowning in worry, choking under the pressure that you're facing. But Jesus wants to breathe new life into your spirit once again. Pursue your breakthrough by pursuing Jesus. Push through the multitude. Fasten yourself to Jesus. Adhere to Jesus. Refuse to just be another member of the crowd. Refuse to be an extra in someone else's movie. Refuse to be a spectator. Choose to hold on to Jesus for as long as it takes. I'd rather die holding on to Jesus than live as a sightseer in the crowd. When Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? May it be me standing there. It was me, Jesus. I touched you. I fastened myself to you. I'm not letting go. I don't want to be a part of the crowd. I want to be a part of you. A couple more things that I want to point out, and then we're going to wrap this up. Last week, we spent some time in Luke chapter 7, and it was the story of the sinful woman who poured perfume on the feet of Jesus. She wet his feet with her tears and she dried them with her hair. How many of you remember that story? In Luke 7, 39, it says this, when the Pharisee who had invited him, talking about Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, if this, woman, or if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Anybody guess what kind of touching is going on? Hapto. Not pressing, not choking, but fastening herself to Jesus. This sinful woman fastened herself to her Savior. In an act of desperation, in an act of pure worship, the sinful woman found hope, peace, and forgiveness. The woman who had been bleeding for 12 years also found healing. She found life after 12 years of suffering and isolation and seclusion. Listen to me. Breakthrough happens when we fasten ourselves to Jesus. I'm going to close with this final thought. And then he said to her, Verse 48, I love this. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. We don't know her name, but we know he called her daughter. When we pursue him, when we fasten ourselves to Jesus, he doesn't call us by our sin. 
He doesn't call us by our uncleanness. He doesn't call us by our issues. He doesn't call us by our addiction. He calls us son. He calls us daughter. Fasten yourself to Jesus today. Refuse to let go, no matter how long it takes. Because our breakthrough is found in the pursuit of Jesus. Can we just take a moment and quiet our hearts once again before the Lord? That felt like a fly-by message. I know that was probably pretty quick. But I want us to just make room for the Holy Spirit just to touch and move in our lives just for a moment. And I want to ask if there's people in the room, maybe you're like this woman. Maybe it's been 12 years. Maybe it's been 20 years, 30 years. I don't know. That you've been facing a struggle and you can't seem to break through. And today, once again, maybe you prayed a hundred times. But today, one more time, you want to say, today's the day. I'm going to, I'm going to latch on. I'm going to fasten myself. I'm going to adhere to Jesus. Let today be the day of my breakthrough. You say, you know what? I need that in my life. Would you just lift your hand? I'd be honored to pray with you. Amen. Hands going up all over the place. Let me switch gears really quickly. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus at all and you'd like to surrender your life to him, would you lift your hand up? Amen. Would you stand on your feet just for a moment and one more time? Would you sing this song with me? All of my hope. Cause all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. And breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. One more time saying all of my hope is in the name, the name of And breakthrough will come. Come in the name, the name of Jesus. All right, here's what we're going to do. If you lifted your hand, I would be honored to pray with you. I want you to slip out of your seat and come down to the front. We don't always do this, but over the last few weeks we have been. It's just been the way that God has been stirring our hearts. I want you to slip out of your seat, come to the front. We're going to anoint you with oil just as as an act of obedience oil is a representation of the holy spirit and we're going to believe in faith that god is going to touch your life that this will be your act of faith of of reaching out and touching the hem of his garment on behalf of pastor randy and the entire staff at everyday church we'd like to thank you for joining us today for more information on the church please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz